But let me just pray before I bring the word and then let me just do my best for the next few minutes just to bring God's word. Dear Lord, I thank you that you are here in our midst. Holy Spirit, it is wonderful, Lord, to be able to celebrate Jesus Christ. I I truly mean that, Lord. This is not just... um, a bunch of words that I'm saying, Lord God, this is the truth that we celebrate you, Jesus, because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't be redeemed. And for those who aren't saved and redeemed, let this be an opportunity today, Lord, to meet the Savior, Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. Amen. So today, what I want to preach on is I just want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, The Purposeful, The Purposeful Savior. The Purposeful Savior. Savior. And as I've said quite a few times this morning, Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. Can anybody say amen to that? He is the reason for the season. Jesus was the greatest gift given to mankind. And I, you know, I like actually Jesus being the reason for the season. I mean, last week, a little funny story. Um, you know, we, we tried to do our best with organizing when Santa came and, you know, a bit of miscommunication. Santa came a bit early, but I love what happened. Um, Santa kind of, you know, ended up being, uh, you know, towards the side, you know, um, taking some photos with the kids. And we kind of made a point of the fact that Santa was a humble man, not trying to take away the glory of Jesus Christ. And but truly, that is the case, right? It's we, we celebrate Christmas, love the opportunity to be able to get together with family, love our traditions and everything like that. But, you know, set all that aside. If it wasn't for the reason of Christmas, Jesus Christ, there wouldn't be any of that celebrating or, you know, Santa giving gifts out because truly, truly, Jesus was the greatest gift given to mankind. No one else, right? John 3.16 says this, and I know we've heard this many, many times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his best, his absolute best, not holding anything back. God knew, church, God knew it would take his best, to rescue us from our sinful and fallen state. Isn't that the truth? He needed to give His absolute best. And now He has made a way for us to be right with God. He has bridged that gap. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The mission of Jesus from the beginning to the end was... And is to reconcile us to God. That was his mission. And that is still his mission for us to be in relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Through his son Jesus Christ who had to come. Didn't just stay in heaven you know, as a distant God. But God came in person, dwelt among us so that we can have this rite of passage to be able to be reconciled with our Father God. And isn't that a wonderful, wonderful miracle? And of course, the scripture goes on to say, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now it's on us, obviously, to spread the word, spread the message. And that is exactly what we did in our outreach last 
week when we began to share Jesus Christ through song and through word and through the fact that we hosted a, a, a you know, a, um, a event for our community where they could come and we could, you know, give them a free sausage sizzle. Uh, you know, the gift often prepares the way to be able to open people's hearts, to be able to say, hey, you know what, we do care about you and we aren't just all about talk, but we're about action as well. And this is the very reason why we exist now, to also reconcile those who do not know Jesus Christ to Him, right? Now, for the next couple of minutes, I want to share how Jesus focused on the lost. I really do. Now, if you are a believer, that's wonderful. And praise the Lord that you were once lost and now you are found. Praise the Lord that you were once blind, but you now see. And I will praise the Lord forever until I leave this earth and then forever with, with God in heaven. I will praise Him that I am saved, right? But you know what? The message of salvation, the gospel message, will never ever get old. And even as Christians, as believers, hearing the focus of Jesus and His life over and over again to remind us of what our focus is now as believers, to take what he, he, what he did, and to go spread it to the rest of the world. So I want to focus for a few moments on how Jesus focused on the lost. And Luke 15 is often called the lost chapter. Such a beautiful uh, few passages of how he redeemed and saved the lost. Three times, through three different stories, Jesus highlights the lost illustrating our position before we were reconciled to God. Okay? We also see the response of the Father in each story, which is so beautiful. Each and every story, what you'll see is how the Father responds. responds seeking and saving that which was lost. So let me begin in Luke 15, 4. It says this, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Here's the response of the father. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me! For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. You see the, 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 the one sheep that is lost, the 99 that are found, you see the heart of the father to say, you know what, I'm going to set my 99 aside and I'm going to go look for the one. Isn't that a powerful illustration of how each and every one of us matter to him? Amen. It's not about we most of us are saved. It's not about the majority. No, no, no. It's about each and every one of you. And if this passage doesn't illustrate the love of the father towards you, I don't know what does. Because the majority was saved and yet still the one mattered enough for the master to walk away and go look and search. And when he finds him or finds her, he celebrates as though it was more 
more wonderful for one to come to know him than, to, than the 99 that already do. It's a powerful illustration and example. But let me, let me just share a little bit about what we can learn from this first story regarding the lost sheep. Okay, Without a shepherd, sheep get lost naturally. They do. They're not the brightest of all creatures, sheep, right? Um, I like sheep. I like lamb. <laughs> um, but they're not the brightest of all. But without a shepherd, sheep get lost naturally. It's in their nature to get lost, right? Sheep are prone to wander off from the flock. They go on a little bit of a wander off they walk away. Naturally, sheep are hotwired to follow each other. And I don't know if anyone's seen that recent video. There's a video where um, I think the, the, the sheep actually you know, have some kind of disease, but they're, they're following each other in a circle. Anyone see that video? It's the most bizarre thing. Yeah, Mike, you, you, the, the sheep are following each other in a circle, literally. But in, in a lot of ways, that's how sheep are. We've, they follow each other. Now, by the way, I'm speaking about sheep, but what I want us to incline our hearts and our minds into is the fact that we are very similar uh, to sheep in our sinful nature, in our way of following the crowd, following what you know the world says is what we're meant to do and how we're meant to behave. Very similar in a lot of ways, we are like sheep, believe it or not, which is why <laughs> the, the scripture talks about us as sheep, right? This is dangerous, right, when they follow each other because as a likely scenario, um, the sheep can follow each other off a cliff. <laughs> they just keep wandering off, follow each other, even to their death. They can follow each other. We have a sinful nature from birth. Psalm 51.5 says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Early on in a child's life, you see the sinful nature come to life, don't you? You see selfishness, you see anger, and you see tantrums. And I know it's just a child. I know we can say it's just a child. That's how a child reacts. But here's the thing. Our sinful nature doesn't change as we age because really it's a condition of the heart, right? We might not chuck tantrums out at the moor, right, or at the, at the uh, Westfields and, you know, kick a stink. Actually, some people do. <laughs> some people do. But the reality is, when we examine our heart, right, it's not just about the, the, the child that's born into sin and behaves sinful from a very, very young age. Unless we have a salvation happen, which is a miraculous miracle. It's, it, it is the, the most outstanding miracle of all. Us coming to know Him. Jesus rescuing us from the Mari clay. Unless we have that experience, it's the condition of the heart that is consistently, naturally drawn to sin and to selfishness and to what I want and what pleases me. Only by the miraculous, redemptive power of Jesus can we be saved from our propensity to sin. It's the truth, right? Without our Savior, Without uh, something you know, to, to live for, somebody to live for, we continue on our own road without any 
care of anything else but to live for ourselves. Let me continue. So the first lesson from the first story is that, you know, sheep get lost naturally. And we also, as people, our nature, before we know Jesus, naturally is a sinful nature. Okay? The second um, story highlights something a little bit different. The coin that got lost. Okay? Let me just read Luke 15, 8. It says this, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends. Here's the response again, guys. She calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen and amen. And here, another story that Jesus illustrates of us as humans being lost and then being found using stories that actually made sense to the people of that day. Speaking of a coin that was lost was not a $1 or a $2 coin. It was somebody's income. It mattered a lot. Losing a coin meant everything, right? And he illustrates the point that it was a thorough search. A thorough search moved everything out of the way, swept everything away to find what was lost. I love, again, that story illustrates the length that our Savior will go to to be able to bring us from that lost place into the place of salvation. He'll move things out of the way. He'll sweep things out of the way. He will be thorough in order for us to come and to be in relationship with Him. So what can we learn from the second story regarding the lost coin? The coin got lost accidentally. That's the thing, right? It got lost accidentally. You know, obviously you don't just chuck your stuff away and hope that it gets lost. It got lost accidentally. But here's the thing. It reminded me of the story of the seed that was planted. You know, different seed fell on different soil. Some seed fell on the hard ground, right? Sprung up, but there was no, no substance, no soil to help it, to cultivate it. So it died. The other seed fell right um, on, the, on the wayside and it was plucked away. It was plucked away, which is the enemy. We talk about that as the devil taking away that word that was planted in people's heart. Another seed fell on the, uh, in the thorny bush. And Luke 18, sorry, 8, 14 says this. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. It's an amazing scripture because it says no fruit to maturity. When you think about that, there was something that occurred when that word fell, but it didn't go to maturity. It was choked up by the cares of this world. And what am I trying to say? I'm trying to, I'm trying to say this, that that coin that got lost accidentally, perhaps there are some here that when you started your journey with uh, the Savior and you, and you love the Lord, you were fervent in your pursuit, you loved God, but then other things got in the way that you thought at the time were more important, whatever that may be. You know, you can let the Holy Spirit speak into your hearts if He is and if He will. Things that become more important than following Jesus 
almost like an accidental, I guess, in a way, situation where we've gone from being fervently sown in to now walking away from our Savior and not being so hot for, for Jesus anymore. It can happen like that. Although you're lost, didn't happen at the beginning to be something that was intentional, and yet now you're in a place like the sheep that was lost naturally, in the same position, lost. But of course, let's not forget the response of the father. When that coin was found, there was a celebration, a wonderful celebration to say, I found what was lost. And that's the heart of the father. Let me, let me talk about the last story that Jesus speaks about. And this is the son who got lost. But here's the thing. This story paints a different picture. We've got the sheep who gets lost naturally. We've got the coin that got lost accidentally. But now we have the son. And if you're like me, this one hits me the hardest. Because this one is the son who got lost willfully. Willfully. Okay, so he's a son and he lives with his father. And everything is at his fingertips. He's got shelter. He's got food. He's got an inheritance. He's got family. He's got everything there in his home. But one day he decides he's got a brother. He's got a sister. Thank you, Joseph. But one day he decides, you know what? That's not enough. And so he willfully makes a decision and he goes to his father and says, hey, give me the portion of my inheritance. I want it now, which pretty much means you're good as dead to me because what you're meant to have received when somebody dies, I want it now. And I'm off. I'm, I'm off on my own journey. So he willfully comes to his father, takes the father, gives him what is owed to him, his inheritance, the portion of his inheritance, and he walks off. And what does the Bible say? He goes and he wastes the money or the, the provision that was given to him on, on, on harlots and wild parties. And he, he indulges in sin, basically. Gets into the, 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 you know, the, um, the place of life that we sometimes think promises so much, yet it always, always under-delivers. And he discovers that for himself. He goes out and has that wasteful living. And then he comes to a place where he has nothing. He has absolutely nothing. And he thinks to himself, do you know what? Even, my serv even the servants at my home, under my father, have it better than I do. Here I am. Well, actually, I didn't tell the other part of the story. He ends up getting a job where he's feeding pigs. And the food that the pigs are eating becomes very appealing to him. He's like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm, I've got nothing. And that's when he realizes, hang on a second, the servants at home have it better than I have. And so he makes this decision in his heart. He says, I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Make me like one of your hired servants. Let, just make me one of your servants. That's good enough for me. And allow me to come back. But the beautiful part of the story is, and again, I want to highlight the response of the father. He's a lost son who willfully got himself lost. But here's the response in Luke 15, 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still at a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 
And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out, here's the response, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put um, a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, which were, by the way, symbolic of, you know, restoring um, somebody. You know, on another sermon, we can go a little bit deeper into that. But he's restoring him and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begun to be merry. Church, this is the response he gives. He gives when we return from being lost naturally because it's our sinful nature to sin or accidentally because of other priorities that have taken place over over our father in heaven or willfully. This is the response that we receive from our father, which is such a wonderful response. But let me close by sharing the good news for those who were lost naturally, lost accidentally or lost willfully. Jesus came to dwell among us purposefully. Purposefully. We have the fulfillment of prophecy through Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He came purposefully. He was prophesied that he would come and he would rescue us from our sinful state, from our, from our place of hopelessness. He would come purposefully. Seeing you, seeing me, seeing the one. Seeing the one that mattered to him. Seeing the one that nobody cares about. He saw him or he saw her. The one that nobody cares about. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the reason for Christmas. And I love John 8, 12. It says this, Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And he still is. Oh, well, I love the, the, the language there. I am, and he still is, the light of the world. Not I was, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Church, I just want to finish up and, you know, just want to share that the gospel is relevant all the time in every season. The, the, the hope of Jesus Christ Amen. right, is actually probably even in some way during the Christmas seasons. I know Christmas seasons aren't always wonderful for everybody. Sometimes it can bring up reminders of maybe people that um, have been lost or, you know, it's that time of reflection where we're with family and maybe uh, one of your family members is not around or something. So it's not just always a wonderful, merry season. As a matter of fact, this week and very sadly, a, a student passed away from this school, which was really, really sad. But the way in which he passed away was, you know, he took his own life, which was really, really, really dreadfully sad. Yeah. 
And I'm saying that not to um, you know, bring a downer on the service. I'm saying that because the condition of our heart is one that will always be empty and will always be in need until we fill it with Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's the truth. And do you know what? We can smile and we can put up a front. We can, we can, we can talk the talk and walk the walk or, or, or pretend to be walking the walk anyway or pretend to be talking the talk. But the heart of each and every one of us right, is before our Savior. And it's up to us to take the invitation that He has given us to be able to be reconciled to our Father through Him through nobody else, and for that peace that surpasses all understanding to come and to guard our hearts and to guard our minds. Let's just close our eyes for a moment, if you don't mind.